tools for living, room to grow, a space of grace to become everything God wants us to be. You're listening to The Living Room Podcast with Joanna Weaver, Episode 77. I don't know if any of us have had life turn out exactly the way we planned, the way we dreamed it would be. I think that we've all wanted the fairy tale at one time or another, but life in this fallen world can be downright hard. My friend and author Sherry Rose Shepard has experienced some beautiful highs, but she's also experienced some difficult lows. And in today's episode, she's going to share how to live and even thrive when life doesn't go the way you plan, all because of the love of God that promises it will never let us go. Well, you guys, it's my honor to have Sherry Rose Shepherd with us. She is an award-winning author, and I got to meet Sherry about, oh my goodness, 13 or 14 years ago when she did a women's retreat for Our Ladies here in Montana, and it was such a great time. Sherry, welcome to the living room. I remember that wonderful time and those wonderful women, and I am so glad you're doing this because you are such an inviting, beautiful Uh soul. And I never once forgot being with you. And I've done a lot of bookings over 25 years, but I'm telling you, you made an impression. Uh, Well, I felt that way about you. One of the things I love about you is just your message and your heart for women. You're a best-selling author of the book, His Princess, which has sold over a million copies and just continues to resonate with women today. Can you tell us just a little bit about the heart behind that book and then your new book, which is called Beyond the White Picket Fence, What to Do When Your Life is Dismantled? Well, the heart behind His Princess is, first of all, before I was Jesus anointed princess, as we all are. I was a Jewish American princess. (laughs) And I was raised Jewish and I became a Christian at 24. And it was the night before I was holding the bottle of sleeping pills at the end of my life. I was at the top of my game in the world and at the bottom of my game in Mm -hmm. my heart and accomplished everything and felt like, wow, I have it all. And I'm still miserable. And Satan got a hold of me and I almost took my life and I cried out and asked God if he existed. And the next day, a boyfriend of mine invited me to his grandparents' house for dinner and his grandparents were the missionaries that led me to the crown Mm -hmm. of life. And I became a Christian and a lot of people were a little bit overwhelmed by my story being raised in Hollywood and my parents being married and divorced three times each, five blended families, all those things that a lot of people already know about me because I've been in ministry 25 years, but I started being asked to speak at these events and I wasn't ready for the lines of people uh, that people would share these stories. And I one day was flying home after about six months of speaking and I was crying for their stories and asking the Lord, why did you let this happen to them? Why did you let that happen? You know, just, I was really struggling because I wasn't equipped for what I was going to hear in those Mm -hmm. lines of women waiting to speak. And I started crying out to God. And the next day, these letters came flooding to me. And I don't know how to type. And I hand wrote them and I'm dyslexic. So they were misspelled. And for about a week, these letters kept coming to me. And and I took them to a friend of mine that was a publisher, Multnomah Publishers. And they said, we can't print these. You're writing in God's voice. I said, I don't even know the scriptures and I'm writing these letters. So what happened was they gave a few of them to some of the secretaries that worked at Multnomah 
and they were sitting there crying at their desk. And one of them was so inspired, she copy edited the periods and the commas and put it in writing. And she added scriptures to a few of them. And the owner of Multnomah said, I'm going to send this to the International Bible Society because I'm very nervous about writing a book in God's voice. It could be scripturally out of context. And so they did that in the head of the Bible Society called back the head of Multnomah and said, is this girl a Bible scholar? And they said, no, she's a Jewish American princess that got saved that knows about three scriptures new to the ministry. And she said, he said, well, not one word is out of scripture context. I say add the scripture and print this book. It's now in 33 <laughs> languages, over a million, 200,000 souls. Praise God. That's so beautiful. So this new book now, at least how many years later from after his princess and, and a lot of life that's gone by, but um, God still remained faithful even in some really hard things. Can you just share the heart behind this new book? Yes. Um, not only does it have some of my stories, but it has several stories of people that I know and I rewrote them like movie scripts. So there's nine chapters that feels like each one is like a chick flick, if you will, or a drama. It feels like you're reading a fiction because I wrote it more like a movie script based on true stories. And for those of you that don't know, for the last four and a half years, I've been fighting stage four cancer. I was given an eight week death sentence almost five years ago, came off the road. I was on tour with Women of Joy, with Casting Crowns and Mercy Me and all those wonderful people, Matthew West and Lisa Turkhurst. And I had to step out um, because of my cancer. And then uh, my marriage fell apart. My husband married someone else and she had nothing to do with why we divorced, but, but he is now remarried. My kids were afraid of losing their mom and overwhelmed by the divorce. My daughter was 16 at the time. My son was 11 years older, so 24, 25. And um, I don't know math, obviously. And he said, I'll take Emmy. So I had to give her up and because I couldn't care for her emotionally at the time because I was so emotionally broken. And then three other crises hit that I won't talk about, but they were as dark as you can get from other situations. And I was the first time I ever experienced what it feels like to be drowning and to be wondering where God is. I never walked away from God during that season. I did want to go home to be with the Lord. I didn't want to beat the cancer. I felt like I had nothing left to fight for. I'd already served my 25 years of ministry and I already wrote my books. I raised my children. They were serving God. My family was over and I was ready to go home. I had nothing to wake up for. I've never felt that way in my life. So that was a whole new world to experience a job, if you will, all the way down to the tumors that are visible all over my lymphatic system even today. So I all of a sudden um, had a very dear friend that was very well known in ministry. A lot of people know. And he fell terribly. And it wiped out the ministry he had. And something in me, the Jewish fire in me, if you want to call it, went, wow, I, even if I get nothing I want, even if nothing's restored for me, even my health, I need to at least do Facebook Live and start ministering to people again because people were so wiped out by this fall. And there were three other leaders that followed the fall. And I, I was watching people 
really give up on God. And so I turned on my Facebook Live two years ago and I just said, hey, I'm, I'm sorry I've disappeared. I've basically been through a job and, and I know what it's like to feel. I got really transparent. 30,000 people joined mm. me live. And I was so overwhelmed by that number. And that ended up with over 100,000 views. And I hadn't been online or in ministry for two years. And so I started just doing monthly Facebook Live as the Lord gave me grace. And then uh, my numbers were so big in the views that the publishers started asking me to write books. It started with Focus on the Family. They asked me to write a children's series called Adventures with the King. And I got to name them after my children and grandchildren. So I did that. And then Salem Broadcasting asked if I would write His Princess Every Day, which is a yearly devotional. And then I presented this book, uh, Beyond the White Picket Fence, What to Do in Your Life is Dismantled. Because most people don't know that the White Picket Fence actually causes, is not about the perfect life. It actually was created during World War II when they ran out of ammunition. And people gave up their iron fences and replaced them with white picket fences to say, we stand for freedom. We'll give up what's valuable to us to fight for the freedom of our country. And that's the real story behind the white picket fence. That's beautiful. I love that each chapter is beyond, because I think so many times we feel like I'm going to be in the middle of this forever. Yes. And I want to say that every season of suffering has an expiration date. Mm, That's good. That's good. Because I think it's important to know that in the middle of it, it feels like it will never end. And yet to know that God is going to meet us in the middle of it, but He's also going to be able, He wants to help us move beyond. One of the things you talk about is the difference between true healing and just putting a Band-Aid on our wounds. What have you learned about that? (laughs) It's funny. You are definitely my girlfriend. Of you, of all the questions you could have answered me, that is the lesson I need to learn mm. the most. I used to feel, just claim a scripture. Yeah. You know, let me just, just claim that scripture. But God showed me that in pain, in crisis, there's a process in the word. There's a formula that I found in the word. The formula is the same with Joseph. It's the same with Jesus. It's the same with Job. It's the same with every single person that walked through pain. And that is, you have to process that pain. You don't just use a scripture as a band-aid. And you've got to be careful with those people that want to give you a scripture as a band-aid um, because that isn't going to help anybody. Part of the His Princess membership, the whole thing I'm doing, is I am actually have one section called uh, Thrive Bible Breakthroughs for Seasons of Suffering, where I'm actually taking you through those different seasons of suffering and how to process pain like a professional counseling session online. And I feel that was crucial and a missing link in almost every teaching I have seen is how to put people through the actual process. Because there is a grieving process when we walk through trauma of any kind, whether it's physical, mental, emotional. And I think sometimes, you know, we just want it to be over, not understanding that God wants to meet us (laughs) and take us through. You know, I'm sure I know for me during seasons of hardship, I found God in new ways that, that if, but you almost have to be looking for it. What have you learned about that? Like how to find God in the middle of the journey rather than just escaping the pain? A few things I've learned about God is he gives me what's called freak out grace. (laughs) Um, I've learned that when I'm 
drowning, I'm in a different place than when I'm a lifeguard. Mm. And I've learned that sometimes God just gets in the water with me while I feel like I'm drowning. And I've learned that God does not expect near as much of me as I do mm. of myself. And that his burden, his lightness, yoke is easy. So when it gets hard and really hard, not hard as in hard because they're doing something hard, as in where it's heavy, I shouldn't say hard. When it gets heavy, I have to pay attention to, okay, it's heavy right now. What does God want to do to lighten this? And most of the time for me, the process was I had to learn to let myself cry every time I'm hurting. Not go, I've already cried over that. I don't want to feel pain again. Well, you know, when someone loses someone they love or they have had their daughter raped or they've had, you know, horrible portrayal, it will trigger pain 10 years later. And it's okay to cry through that pain, not to bury it. And I do believe that's how I got cancer, to be honest, is burying pain because I was never taught uh, from any Christians how to process pain. I was taught the scripture. I was taught all the things to do, you know, to serve God, which I'm thankful for. Those are all very valuable things as well. But I'd never been actually had someone tell someone came and met with me and said, let's find the lies that you've come into agreement with. And let's find the truth of what God's word says about that. And let's find the lies you've come into agreement with how to process. And then let's find what God says about how to yeah. process. And I noticed that King David, who I love, is a crybaby. <laughs> yes, he is. <laughs> and super, super honest yep. with yep. God. You know, Psalm 109 verse 8, may his days be few and another take his place in leadership. He's praying for someone's <laughs> exactly. death. I think it's Saul, if I was to guess. I don't know for sure, but I'm like, oh my goodness, he's not getting real at all with God. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I'm just learning, wow, God is a very real God. Um, and for me to pretend to be holy so he'll love me more is almost like, well, why did he send his son to die for me then? You know, he knows our frailties. He knows our pain. He he loves us so mm. much that if we only knew that he is like a daddy more than this faraway father yeah. figure. And I think that's part of why his princess does so well, because I think it brings God to a daddy yeah. and to an accepting daddy and a daddy that wants to walk you through stuff that really loves mm. us. And and I do believe that is probably why it does do mm. so well. So you're talking about and I think you bring an important point that, you know, rather than just trying to slap a Band-Aid on it, to, to be willing to process the pain with the Lord. Can you give us an example of maybe one of those lies that you internalized and, and how God brought you into that freedom of replacing it with truth? You're so a good interviewer. Um, I just want to be on the phone with you all day. Here's the thing about that. I realized that I aligned with a lie because of being raised in an abusive family, then having an abusive marriage, and then having a lot of other things that happened. I thought I was anointed because I mm. suffered, like yeah. abuse. So, so in other words, ministry has to hurt. And I, one day, I was sitting with my gal that came to counsel me, and she goes, "Well, that's an insult to Jesus." Mm. <laughs> and I was like, "Oh my goodness." You're right. He suffered. So I don't have to. And now I'm believing the lie that because I'm suffering from the abuse, that's making me more anointed on the stage. Mm. So now I am still speaking. I started speaking about three months ago and I realized that 
I am enjoying it for the first mm. time completely without suffering. There's no one to abuse me before I go to speak. There's no one to hurt me. And, and God's like, see, I, I never asked that mm. of you. I, I don't want anybody touching my daughters. Mm. So that, that was an awakening for me. And then secondly, I aligned with everybody else should be loved. Now I'm an Enneagram too, for those that know about Enneagrams mm-hmm. and that they do put their life underneath everybody else's. Like, you know, as long as we're, you're happy, it doesn't matter if we are, that's kind of the foundation of it too, when they're unhealthy. And until they realize that there's a healthy version of that, but all that to say that um, I realized God loves me too. Yeah. That was a huge realization for me that, wow, he loves me too. He wants me to be loved. And so I had to learn how to receive love from sweet people like yourself. Mm. You know, there was always this, well, I don't deserve them to love me. I just have to love them. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So it's it's even like just unearthing some of the lies because I think we've lived with some of them yeah. so long we don't even realize. Right. That, oh, there's something wrong with that point of view. Yeah. I am messed <laughs> up. Yeah, yeah. I am messed yeah. up. I need some help. Yeah. <laughs> yes. But it's it's allowing that to happen. You know, I think I I've gone through my own things of just going, okay, wait a minute. What do I really what am I telling myself? You know, what am I saying yes. that means? And really being willing to look at that and go, okay, Lord, what do you say about this? Because sometimes they can be little lies that just are they can even be truth that's just been distorted a bit that we've got to just bring before the Lord and say, okay, wait a minute, where is, where is the lie? And, and I, it's just been interesting this last, I've been struggling to write a book and again. And so even having to deal with some of that, like, what are those lies that I'm believing? And, and what is the truth that you want to say to me, Lord? And so I love that you really make this book so practical, um, kind of just topically, looking at the different things beyond forgiveness, beyond shame. But at the end of the book, you have some exercises. And can you just talk about those a little bit about the journey that you want women to go on as they read this book? Well, it's actually at the end of each Yes, chapter. I'm sorry. That's what I meant. Yeah. Yeah. So like if you're dealing with shame, here's some of the ways to process that. If you're dealing with pain, you know, here's some of the ways to process. It's taking you actually through what God can do that you can't, what you can do, and then the practical ways of, of, of processing according to the word of God. And then I have extensive teaching on that, on the truth is and the wisdom and all that on my online membership, because they didn't have the, they, had, they said it was too much word count for the book. I was like, but ha- they're going to like read this <laughs> and they're going to go to something. They're going to want to get healed and we need more pages. And they're like, well, we can't do it. I'm like, oh my goodness, these women are going to not love that. But we're here now. So um, that is that is so important to me that you have to take them through. And, and the first thing I want to I want them to land on, of course, is truth, right? You want them to land on the truth of where is God in this and what can he do and what can I do? I think that's crucial. Yeah. So, so, so crucial. And it's so personal. It'd be like you saying, can you take us to a whole counseling session? There's a lot. Yeah. But you know what I love is I, I love that that it's it's allowing us to look deeper at some things. And then the Holy Spirit's so kind. He brings us the resources we need to bring us into that full healing. But uh appreciate that you've got this membership side as well. One of the things that that you talk about is the difference between a bitter heart and a broken heart. 
because I think that is, and I don't know about if you would agree with this, but I feel like that's the difference between have I been willing to walk through the process versus the band-aid. Mm-hmm. What, what would you say about all of that? I think the difference between a broken heart and a bitter heart when I'm saying that is that um, sometimes when your heart is still broken, people don't mean to, but they'll say, oh, well, if you had forgiven Mm. them, your heart wouldn't still be broken. Well, I have friends that their daughters were raped in front of them. I have friends that their husband beat them to no end. They're never, it's not a forgiveness Mm. thing. It's a broken heart. God's close to the broken hearted. Bitter is, I will not rest till they get theirs. I will mm-hmm. retain, you see mm-hmm. the difference? So you just have to be really careful when you are, I'm going to say more when one of your friends is walking yeah. through a crisis or you're walking through a crisis, be careful who you process with. I would keep your inner circle incredibly tight during the healing season. If I were to give you any wisdom at all, I would say incredibly tight. Because it is so imperative that you process with the right people. I cannot say that enough. I mean, imperative. Yep. Because an untimely word, oh Mm. my word, Joanna, it is not good. And it can really mess you up really bad. I would totally agree that we need friends that are going to give us timely words and timely advice. I also know it's possible to get stuck in the broken heart. Oh, yeah. So how to be that friend that can help move us, find those friends who can move us from the broken heart into a heart that is being healed. You know, I don't think there is one. I think it says God is close yeah. to the brokenhearted. God binds mm. up the wounds. I think that I learned the hard way. Now, I some people, it takes a lot yeah. longer. Some people, it's a lot shorter. Some people... How they choose to stay in that grieving place, but some people really um, need some like professional counseling. I don't think there's something a friend can do other than the more they cry. It says those who sow with tears are more more will um, reap a joy, Mm -hmm. right? So the more that we try to rush their healing, and and you'll know when your grace is up for them, right? Right. Sometimes you're going to have to have five or six different friends sit with you because the person that's not walking through that process can only handle so much too. And you got to not take that personally, but I don't think people have the power to heal a broken heart. I think only God has the power to do that. And I think that um, in our humanity, we want to hurry things up. We just want them to be happy again. And and I spent 25 years doing that and got cancer. Mm. And one in three women now get cancer. And I believe that's part of it. Is and and so what you have to do is when the pain starts, I'm going to tell you if you're listening right now and you have a broken heart, you got to cry as fast mm. as you can. Those who sow with tears will put joy. If you want to get out of your broken heart fast, I am going to tell you to grieve till you can't grieve anymore. Because I noticed that the more I finally let myself grieve, now I could tell you, Joanna, my entire story without yeah. a tear, which I can't believe it. I, I can tell you my story now, but of course it's four years. Right. It took me to get out of it. Four years. But I mean, I also was hit with eight different crises, which most people aren't hit with eight at once. But, but four years is still a mm. long time, yeah. right? And um, so it just, I think that it's just really, really important to not internalize if you want to get it out quickly. Secondly, really get with God and say, God, 
is there anything I can do? And then really pray. Now, you, a good friend could say, hey, why don't you consider this? Right. You know, like I might say, hey, Joanna, why don't you consider going to lunch with that person and just do what you can, even if they're the wrong, mm-hmm. just set an example. You know, I don't know, some suggestions, healing tools, like you said. It still has to be God yeah. that does the actual healing and then your obedience to what he's asked you to do. But man, there's some serious grieving in the Bible. Yeah, there is. There is. When those mommies lost their boys in mm. Egypt, they were yeah. killed, two-year-old killed in front of them, said the grieving was so great. I just can't imagine a Christian walking up and go, you know, it's been a yeah. month. You, you can get over it now. You know, I just, I just can't imagine even God doing that. So I just think we need to be super careful in what we think is the proper time because that really isn't for us to say. You know it's what I so mean? It's so true. It's so true. It's really not. We don't know where they're really at. So it's mm-hmm. not really for us mm-hmm. to say. Yep. You know, Job's friends, they, they were silent for 10 days and, and they did a good job. It's when they started to speak that it got a little messy. <laughs> well, Stop yeah. Talking. Well, I yeah. know our time <laughs> is coming to a close and there's so much more that we could have talked about. But as we just, as we close our time together, would you pray over the women who are listening today? Oh, I would love to. Lord, you promise that you're close to the brokenhearted. You promise. So I pray for those that are in a season of suffering right now, that what they would experience is that closeness to you that they literally probably wouldn't experience when they're comfortable. That they would experience being in your presence, that they would experience the beauty of tears that you would send those to encourage them that have the anointing and the grace and patience for the season they're walking through. I ask this by faith in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much for being with us, Sherry. Oh, you're awesome. You are so precious. And I want to say, if you're listening right now, and you need mentor, you need some help, I give as many free memberships away as people need. They can go to the site and email me and we just give away free memberships all day long for people to be blessed and to be administered to. That's great. Well, we'll have the links in the show notes. Uh, So thank you again, Sherry. You have a wonderful day. I don't know what you're going through right now, but I just want you to know that Jesus is right there walking beside you. He wants to give you a tangible sense of His presence as you open your heart to Him. You know, I'm trying to do that every single morning. Over at Facebook, I'm hosting a Bible reading challenge called Through the Word 2022. And I've been using the Passion Translation in my Bible reading. This verse really stood out to me today. It comes from Psalms 5.3. Every morning, I lay out the pieces of my life on the altar and wait for your fire to fall upon my heart. Isn't that beautiful? We are invited to bring all of our cares, all of our concerns, all of our burdens to the Lord and just lay them out before Him because you and I were never meant to do this life alone. As we open our heart to Jesus and allow His fiery love to rest on our hearts, His Holy Spirit promises to lead and guide us. Perhaps like Sherry, you're navigating a lot of hurt and disappointment today. Jesus wants to strengthen and heal your soul so that you can live life to the fullest right here and right now, even when your white picket fence seems shattered and gone. 
I feel impressed to share this with someone today. Your life is not over, my friend. It is not over. In fact, in a very real sense, it's only begun. Other people's actions do not determine your destiny because your life is held securely in God's hands. And while the enemy of your soul may have intended all of these troubles to destroy you, God wants to work them all together for good. So I want to encourage you, lay the pieces of your life before Jesus because He promises that He alone can make all things new. He wants to help you live and love and lead like He does because He's made you for life, abundant life. Bless you, my friend.